And did you know that this podcast is an independent production? That's right. The Eric Norcross podcast is an indie podcast. And because of that, we depend on listeners like you to help support the show. The best way to become a supporter is to become a patron. Patreon is a membership platform that allows creators to develop a more sustainable source of financial support for their projects. My Patreon supports this podcast. If you find this podcast worthwhile, please consider becoming a patron by heading over to the Patreon link in the description. That's patreon.com slash Eric Norcross. Again, patreon.com slash Eric Norcross, and the link will be in the description. Thank you, and on with the show. Good. Good to finally meet you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so... Oh, honestly, my brain's been all over the place the last, like, month or so. And I really thought I was getting on top of things, and then I told you to meet me at 5 a.m. I. <laughs> Are you... Well, you know, I, I fuck up the time zones here in the United States all the time, and this is the first week I've had to do it with people on the other side of the pond... And I actually have three this week, so it's like my wow. first three all in one week. I have one with my sound designer for my film, and then I have two for the podcast. You and um, right after you at noon, uh, my time, I have the guy who runs Great Art Explained in 15 Minutes. I don't know if you've seen that one. Uh, it's basically this gallerist. I don't know. I guess he's in like rural England, uh, but... Um, he has this YouTube channel called Great Art Explained, where in 15 minutes he'll tell you why the Mona Lisa is important oh, or whatever. Really... Um, and so it's interesting, though, that the all, like the first three from the other side are all in one week. And so I got yeah. I got my time zones <laughs> right. <laughs> um, an education in time zones, I guess. I uh, should have um, known, but you know, brains been everywhere. <laughs> are you still studying? Yeah, um, I'm in grad school, so I my class is finished last week. Are are you are you done done or are you going back? Um, yeah, so class is finished last week, and I have exams next month. So this month is kind of a break, but also it's not because I got to study. Um, but before now, I had work still, which I do still have, but we just had the Easter break and. Uh, my classes were still going on. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about, about that and how that... That's an interesting, the way it might tie in with um, some of your uh, approach on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also... Uh, just a little... Something to respect on this. At some point, you're probably going to see this logo come up like mm-hmm. that. Um, that just means I'm resetting my external camera, but I have to, like, reach over my laptop to do it and i just don't want my whole front coming at you so yeah (laughs) it'll happen while you're talking so just keep talking i can still hear you um 
uh, for some reason, they program these some of these cameras to record for like 20 minutes or 30 minutes at a time. So I have to like reset it before it stops. Yeah, I heard that it's because of exporting. It's like if it records for longer than that, then it's classified as a different type of camera and it's more expensive to import. I don't know, though. I don't know where I heard that. That's 100 percent <laughs> true. Oh, it is. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, the, there's a, it's all taxation and exporting laws or importing laws, depending on where you're importing and exporting from. <laughs> yeah, mine does the same thing. I get 22 minutes at a time and then it's done. Yeah, I think that's like the YouTube YouTuber normality. Mm. Like we all know this. Um, all right. I got to give you a heads up about my microphone as well, because a couple of weeks ago I spilled cocoa powder on the usb <laughs> and it did some funny things but i think i fixed it but if you get like a loud crackling let me know and i'll switch to computer audio i guess sure well it sounds really clear um it sounds um so far the most clear guests i've had have been musicians because mm -hmm. they really think about it but you you sound like one of their audio feeds so it's it's pretty oh, good, that's really good. Thank uh, you. that's a good thing with like youtubers uh is they know how to do audio I'm um, like just learning, but yeah, it's fun. It's exciting. I love my mic. <laughs> yeah. And you know, your content looks really good. Um, I remember I saw a comment at one point where somebody's like for um, a young podcast or not a young YouTube channel, like your content looked really professional. I'm like, that's actually true. That's Thanks. what I noticed <laughs> as well. I've been really lucky. My parents have given me a lot of my equipment for like Christmas and birthdays. So that's like, I get one main present for each occasion now, and it's usually something channel related. <laughs> that's good. So, you know, we could start with that because I think a supportive family is really important to pursuing a creative sort of, not just creative outlet, but you, you have, you, you stand a chance at really get, creating a career out of this. Mm. And I find that it's up in the air whether or not a parent is just going to watch from the sidelines or actively help their kids uh, or even adult kids uh, actually pursue this thing. And it's, I love hearing that they're supplying you with all the gear you need. Yeah, it's yeah, I've been very lucky. And I think it's because I do actually use it. <laughs> like uh, if if I wasn't making videos, but I was still asking for what a 300 pound mic set up, I don't think I'd get it. <laughs> But they know I'm going to use it, and so um, I think they're happy to help me with that. Eventually, you'll get that mic set up for yourself, though. <laughs> it took me, honestly, like, when I was started making films in high school, I was borrowing cameras from the school. And then after I graduated, I was borrowing them from neighbors. I didn't get my first camera until I was 30. Wow. And I only just, I'm on the cusp of 40 next month, uh, in June. I keep thinking it's May for some reason. In June, I'll be 40. And last year, I just got my first professional camera. Sometimes it takes a while, but mm -hmm. if you stay with it. You'll eventually get the setup you really want. Yeah. Um, but um, I still use I still use the the cheaper cameras for this. Um, you have a you're you're studying for a degree in psychology and a minor in neuroscience. Um, I was. I graduated from that. Uh, last oh, okay. summer so I had a, a pandemic graduation um, and I went straight into a master's degree which is what I'm doing now um, 
it's it's in a related field but I'm not going to share exactly what it is until after I don't know I'm a little bit paranoid so I'm like <laughs> it's a small course I don't know <laughs> okay that's fine you can save it for your content um, yeah. I was intrigued by it I'm intrigued by it for a few few reasons one I I'm actively thinking about I don't know if you think about this but you know you have creators who they're driven to different mediums and I've always wondered what the psychological profile of it the person is that prefers YouTube because mm-hmm. I've been trying to one they're the hardest kind of creator to get to commit to a podcast and I've been I've been trying for like a year uh, I think I've reached out to 60 different YouTubers over the last six months. Um, but even longer, like I used to work for um, a really popular podcast um, in the city. It was uh, an entrepreneurial podcast. And whenever we reached out to YouTubers, uh, it was really hard to get them to commit. And I'm wondering if there's a psychological component to to that. Like, is it the same thing that drives them to choose YouTube over any other medium or that's, I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? Like, because I I wonder, do I have a narcissism about myself that I have to have a camera and then a camera and then a big audio machine here so that my voice can be super clear for everyone? (laughs) Um, I couldn't tell you anything like scientific that I've come across. Are we comparing to people in like traditional media? Is that we could be comparing that to them, or we could be also we could simply just compare it to somebody who chooses acrylics. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I, I could think of a theory because this is how I felt and what I was thinking like half an hour ago. This is kind of the first time that I've done like worked with somebody in this sense that wasn't already someone who was like a close friend. Um, And I was thinking, like, it's kind of weird that I don't have control over how it could be edited. Not that I don't trust you, like, not that I think you're going to do anything crazy. But it's like, when when you are a YouTuber, you do have that, like, full control over what goes out there and what you might be able to cut out and stuff. And so not having that, I was like, that's kind of strange. So maybe it's to do with that. That's probably one small factor in many factors, but... That's something I noticed like today. <laughs> I like the way you edit too. Um, I have a hard time get, getting into the sort of jump cutting, but where you're like, you did one video where um, you were you were kind of portraying the answers to your own questions. So like when when you you were you were talking about studying in, in the South, and here's what that looks like. And then you cut to you in a, a costume. You're not from around here. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. And just the way the editing works and just cutting to a completely different character. And that whole video was just awesome. Um, yeah. I don't remember what, which one that was. If yeah, I you were, that you were like doing a like a quick one minute about yourself. And um, You also had a moment in there which I really related to because you, you talked about how um, you're from the north and you had a moment where like you had another character. It's like, why aren't you cold? 
Um, I get that a lot too because um, I live in New York City, but I'm originally from Maine, and Maine is freaking cold. And but I'll walk around New York in autumn without a jacket, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, they get that. I think people get that all over the world. That 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 bit of feedback. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to start unpacking the psychology of YouTubers more and more as this thing goes on because I'm fascinated by it. But the, the editing thing, I didn't think of that, like control over your content. Yeah, I I think that's a major difference, at least between people in traditional media and people doing it themselves is you always have control when you're doing it yourself. But if you've always been in traditional media, then you're used to someone else having that level of it, you know? Yeah. Did you did you remove some videos or privatize some videos? <laughs> Yeah, quite a few in the last couple of days. Yeah, I noticed some of the ones that I first noticed when I discovered you were missing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope they find their way back. Um, I especially admired the the one where you were like sick with a cold and you were talking about a demon <laughs> that you dated in high school. That oh, was like I a wonderful story. Think, I don't know if this was someone I dated. I think I know the video you're referring to. I think that was just some guy <laughs> that I met like for for a day. But um, I did date a few demons, so you know. <laughs> I, I I love the idea of though of like having a vlog where like somebody who has like a lot of a lot of exes. This is a hypothetical. <laughs> has a lot of exes, and they just kind of name them after actual demons. And then they just have a vlog for each one where like, and here's when I dated Azrael. And <laughs> here's how that went. I, that's an amazing idea. <laughs> I could tell so many stories. I just, uh, I don't know. I At this moment in my life, I respect other people's privacy too much. But, you know, <laughs> you never know when that could change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it de- yeah, it depends on uh, how things go, I guess. Um, yeah, I... Uh, so you have this this brand called Cocky Horror. Do you want to talk about how that originated? Yeah. Um, I mean, I just kind of thought of it when I was a teenager. It's like one of those like old MSN names that people still have. Um, but I was a big fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the time. And I think when I was around that age, I was putting on this very like extroverted and cocky personality. So I was like, that's perfect. Amazing. And for some reason, nobody else had the name already. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. It's really catchy. Well, someone's stolen it on Twitter now. (laughs) I deleted my Twitter um, and I didn't save the name. I don't know why. I just didn't think it would matter that much. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I don't need it, but someone else it and one of my friends tweeted them and they kind of freaked out (laughs) they were like why would you do that why would you tell her i was like i'm not gonna come after you (laughs) you can have it i'm not using it so are you done with it um no i still use it i think um it is a fun one and that's just what people know me by so um it's been my tumblr name i think that was the first time i used it as well um for years and i'm keeping it there and um it kind of pops up in places so you'll notice it in my channel url 
but it's not my channel name or anything. So it it kind of floats around me, <laughs> but I figured it's not, um, I just, I would rather be known by my actual name, I think. So that's why I took it off of the more obvious like branding things. I initially found you because I was looking for, I was actually just looking for ghost stories because I was just like, it was like 1am and I was like, I need, I just need to be spooked to, to sleep. And um, that's how I found you. But you also, you, you do, you've done some ghost stories on there, but you also do a lot of just kind of practical vlogs. Like um, I made a list here. Um, while you were eating mug cake, you were talking about shitting. Um, uh, an important conversation. Uh, you have uh, one, of, one of the videos with over 3,000 views was about like contraception. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what sort of videos are you more into now? The ghost stories or these kind of practical vlogs where you're just kind of talking about life? Um, I'm definitely moving away from the ghost stories um, for a number of reasons. Um, For example, I have like this almost career in science now and I would hate for that to be kind of compromised by someone finding me talking about ghosts and stuff. Um, I would hope that most people would see it's, you know, entertainment and it's a fun hobby, but I have no doubt there would be some people in science who would just discredit everything I ever said um, if they came across it. Um, and also, it's just kind of like not great for your mental health to be thinking about death all the time. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, a couple of reasons that on their own weren't enough um, for me to kind of say goodbye to it, but put together, it it became pretty convincing. I want to see the cat. I have eight. I have eight. eight. Yeah. So I res- oh, So I had three initially, and they were all rescues off the street. And then I found I, like two years ago, I found this pregnant cat. I'm like, oh, I gotta take her. And uh, she popped out five. Managed to rehome only one. And so the others are just here, and they're they're basically ours. And um, she, they always know when I'm on the podcast. Yeah. Because. They are camera whores. I'm telling you straight up. If 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 one of them wasn't locked away in the other room right now with my girlfriend, he would come over the shoulder and he would just like oh. look at you, and he'll stare at you for like the hour or so, depending on how long how long they go. And I'm like, you gotta take you gotta take him with you <laughs> when you're in there. Um, it's, it's but they're very cute. And actually, rescuing three street cats and then seeing five raised only indoors and they've only ever known indoors made me realize how much humans have control over whether they're a good animal or a bad animal because the ones that were raised here completely are the best the ones that came off the street have psychological issues yeah (laughs) anyway that's my little diatribe about the cats Um, i'm so sorry i heard it and i couldn't not ask to see it but um yeah, so moving away from the spooky content, and I don't have like a plan. I don't know exactly what I want to make in the future, but I'm just kind of doing my thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I understand the the hesitance to with the with the whole career path because you're on a very serious career path, it seems. And um, ghosts ghosts <laughs> are something I think about for entertainment value. I don't believe in ghosts, 
But uh, I, I recently had Avi, the author, on who does really stellar ghost stories for the YA market. And I said, well, I mean, do you believe in ghosts? He goes, no, but I believe in ghost stories. And I think that that's, that's the key for, for uh, my approach in this because I really want, want to talk about ghosts more, but I don't want to insinuate a belief in them or really make the podcast about ghosts. Mm -hmm. So my contention is if somebody says they've seen a ghost, why should I doubt them, even though I don't believe in ghosts? That's a really nice way to put it. I really like that. Yeah, and he said he said at one point he saw a ghost, but he doesn't believe in it. Right. Yeah, I've met a lot of people like that. So many people, even experiences they've had with me when I was very into all of this, um, and they'd be like, yeah, that was really weird. That was so unexplainable. I don't believe in it, though. <laughs> Which is fair enough, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think about them from just like a psychology standpoint? There's probably uh, a way you could probably integrate them in some sort of study of just like, you know, humans are a haunted species. Yeah, I don't know how much it has been studied. I think I probably tried to look into it a couple years ago. Um but again it's it's something that it's difficult to get taken seriously in science and I can't imagine that a lot of studies about it would get funded and things like that so it would be really interesting but I don't know how much research is happening in that area yeah um did you uh did you mix the Fresh Prince video (laughs) yeah (laughs) I don't know where that came from I think maybe Jenna Marvels mentioned it in a video. She said it would be funny. So I was like, you know what? It would. And I made it. Badly. <laughs> it, got, it, it got some views, though. Did it? <laughs> I thought so. It had more views than some. Um, yeah, that, well, I mean, what do you think of... I've been trying to figure out the whole YouTube business model and, and the analytics and... So before I start these things, I'm always going into people's content and trying to figure out what's getting views and what isn't. And um, have you have you tried to demystify what's going on on the back end there? Um, I mean, only on kind of <laughs> surface level. Um, definitely, my paranormal ones were getting more views, and that's something that kept me doing it for a long time. Um, I don't know if that was just because it was kind of a niche and I could create a ton of very specific playlists around that. Um, I think it just helped because like you would find my channel through one of those videos and then find the rest of them. Whereas the other more general ones are kind of everywhere. So they're definitely not working as well for me, but I'm trying to do this for fun and not for like success so Mm. i try not to focus too much on like you know where is this video in my last 10 you know that awful ranking thing they have on the front page yeah (laughs) it's always the videos at least for me it's all the videos that are doing best are the ones i i want i just really don't care about they're the ones i don't really want to see doing well at all (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know if that's the same, but um, I like this quote from you. you. You write, or you said, 
and I could be paraphrasing, my handwriting is shit. I'm a regular human woman, and this is what we look like. You'll get used to it. <laughs> I think that that's a quote that's worth uh, putting up on your profile. Um, I hope you find a way to, to continue doing paranormal in some form, even if it's under a, a pseudonym. <laughs> You're good at it. It's fun. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think I definitely would. I would just take a different approach and maybe emphasize it being for entertainment and stuff in the videos instead of being so like, oh my God, this is real crazy. You know, I think I just need to take a different perspective on it. Yeah. Um, why do you think your, um, your, your video, how the contraceptive was it pill uh, fucked you up? Oh, the pill. Yeah. <laughs> over 3,000 views on it. Why do you think that is? Uh, because the contraceptive patches video has a lot of views. And I think that's just, again, because it wasn't niche. It wasn't... A lot of people don't know contraceptive patches exist. So um, that was just, like, good algorithm-wise. And then people will find the other videos I do about contraception and stuff from that. Gotcha. Has it inspired you to want to do more about that? Um, when I have something to say about it, yes. Um, but this is not kind of something that I have strong interest in. So I would definitely talk about my personal experiences, but I wouldn't kind of do the research and present things that I haven't had an experience with. I actually just realized that the sound is coming through my computer and not my headphones. Is that going to be rough for you to edit? No, um, if you can hear your voice coming through my mic. No, so um, I have my voice going to a separate machine. Okay. And then I can isolate the background on okay, you. So. <laughs> I'm so worried. <laughs> my uh, so my plan is actually um, if people are starting to figure out that I I produce these things way ahead of time, like I'm stacked. I've staggered all the way through May. And uh, the reason is because I want to take the time and put put real thought into cleaning up the audio and the video. And not editing the conversation to remake the conversation, but just to have a higher <laughs> production value. Yeah. So, and because I do other things too, I have to like have a lot of time to do it. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. That's good. How long does it take you to make a video? Oh, it really depends. The one that I, I do have one that I'm hoping is out soon, but I've been on that for months because, again, I was just so busy with school and I have to prioritize that. Yeah. So I think I filmed, oh, my God, I filmed the first attempt in, like, December, maybe January. I was still in my parents' house for Christmas. And that was a disaster because my camera was in London and I wasn't. So I refilmed it when I got here and it's just taken me this long to get around to finalizing the editing. So that's taking months. The quickest I could make a video is honestly maybe 24 hours because I really love editing. I don't know what it is. I just, once I start doing it, I can't stop. So I will sit like film in the morning and then edit all afternoon, all evening, all night if I have to. What do you edit on? Now I edit on uh, Premiere Pro because I just realized I could get it for 
degree from my universities. Uh, took me three years to realize that. So before then, I was doing it on a free download called Shotcut, which was kind of dodge, but it got the job done. Nice. It's nice when you can get free shit from the university. Mm-hmm. I uh, I went back to school in my 30s to get a BA and an MFA, and I milked that whole that whole era to get a new laptop, to get new software, to get my first time I ever had professional screenwriting software. Uh, and man, that Adobe subscription was nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying for it now. It's super expensive. Oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do when I when I'm out of uni. Um, Are you Mac based? No. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Because um, Mac Macs have um, some pretty affordable options, but PC is a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh well. It'll be, you know, my next Christmas present probably. <laughs> Start getting those hints in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gift card to wherever <laughs> um yeah uh what was it? i'm always curious about the technical choices so 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 you're in your masters now and do you think that you might have to end your youtube channel if you get into like a full career doing this mysterious thing that you're studying or um honestly I feel like I could do it more I don't know maybe because I've never had like a 40 hour a week job um I might be underestimating how much of my time it would take but um I feel like right now I have a part-time job I study and then I do a couple other things like just related to university that I have to prioritize. I don't have the time, but if I got into a career and I just had one job, <laughs> like one other thing to focus on, then maybe I'd get to make videos more often because I'd have the time and the energy and I wouldn't have so many things piling up, but I don't know. What do you say that you were studying in the South? What, what does that mean? Uh, the I South... think about the South, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah south of the united states um so if you look at a map of the uk where i'm from yorkshire is kind of right in the middle of the land but when you factor in scotland it's like the north of england um so i think it's pretty undisputed that that's northern there is kind of a debate about where you draw the line in this country um and then i did my undergrad on the south coast in brighton and now i'm in london so the difference when I meet people here can be very obvious <laughs> and it is like a cultural thing, I guess. Um, it's more different, I think, than people not from this country would realize. Um, so I think, yeah, if I say it to anyone not from the UK, it's like, what what does that difference mean? But pe- here people know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, um, I was curious. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about the UK right now. Like yesterday, um, at a, the one that's after you was supposed to be yesterday, and it was canceled because the Wi-Fi was down in all of rural England or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't like. I would think for any rural area that England would have it, but um, I guess not. Um, 
I guess infrastructure sucks all around the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the most rural places in England really are like, you know, I don't know how rural this person was, but it it can be extreme. <laughs> like little tiny houses surrounded by like vast fields and things. We have a lot of that in Yorkshire too. <laughs> my name, my surname comes from England, but I really? don't really know anything about the family. But I know that there was like a like a Norcross farm, like a big farm that was sold a few years ago for con- to condo developers. Oh. It was like a big historic moment. Ah. Oh. I've um, never come across your name before. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of them in the United States, but um, I don't really meet a lot of Norcrosses. Um, I prefer it that way. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in high school, I found an Eric Norcross who was the founder of a toaster museum in Seattle. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, yo, you've got to change your name because I can't be affiliated with this. I actually wrote him as a kid, like, Come no. on, man. <laughs> That's I was very snarky. Teenager. A museum for anything. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why he chose toasters. Um, I mean, yeah, there's some good toasters out there, but it's toaster. It's the way that that is popular enough that it is a museum that exists that people visit. Like, people... Wow. There must be more people in the world than we think that would go to a toaster museum. Yeah. Well, you know, this is going to date me, but he had his website for the toaster museum up in the early 90s, early and mid-90s, like, at the start of, like, the domestic internet. Yeah. Um, And so it must have been, because to have a website back then... You had to have bank. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think I won. I won the name. Mm. Like yeah. if you Google it, he's not even on the first few pages. Mm-hmm. I, I know that. that. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That was a conscious effort on my part over many many years. It's it it means a lot to me that people are willing to come on to here and. Let me pause for three minutes, three long minutes, and then ask a really dumb question. So, you know. Oh, it's really fun, though. Thank you for inviting me, because, like I said, I've never done anything like this before, so it's really, like, I don't know. It's fun. I'm like, oh, I'm legit now. <laughs> People want to talk to me. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's all about what I'm interested in is demystifying why I'm intrigued by a creator or or the work of a creator. And so, you know, I'll invite people who work in oil or acrylic or I'll invite filmmakers, though. Filmmakers, when they're successful, are pretty insulated, so they're harder to get. But I invite a lot of writers because I love, I mean, if you can't see, but I basically live in a library. Um, And YouTubers are, you know, when I find a channel and I'm like, oh, this is entertaining. I want to know why this is entertaining. Why do I keep clicking on these videos? I want to know about this person and what their process is and what their thoughts are, what they're thinking about for their channel in the future. And because there's a lot of content on YouTube, most of it I don't give a shit about. So when I do give a shit, when I show even just a little bit of interest, uh, I want to know why. I want to demystify that. You used the word, did you use the word demystifying in your thing? It might have been the other guy. But Demystification is the key to this podcast. Right. 
at least for me. That's really cool. I would also like to know if you figure out why people watch my videos. I think that you're, you're honestly, you're accessible. You what seem is- like somebody <laughs> that, that pretty much anybody could be a friend. You know, you seem like a friend and <laughs> it's just like you're sitting down, you know, like, honestly, I wish this video was still up. I hope you figure out how to put it up somewhere else. Here's about, here's this, here's this, I'm, I'm really sick, so it's going to be short. Here's a, a story about a demon that I dated in <laughs> high school. Uh, and it's just like, oh, I need to make this girl a cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> and there's just something about that. Or I'm like, I got to invite this person. This, this person is really funny. And then also you're just kind of sitting down and, and, you're, and you're, talk, you're, you're eating a mug cake while talking about, you know, bad bathroom design. And it's uh-huh. just like... Yeah, I've kind of thought about this stuff, but I'd never thought to make a, a vlog about it. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's it. It's it's sort of like why is Tom Hanks watched? Because he's he could be your friend, or you know something like that. I think that's the key. Oh, that's really nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It comes through. Um, at least that's my that's my uh, presumption. I, maybe you'll figure something else out when you start. If you decide to start going into your data, hmm. maybe you'll yeah. discover something. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, my main like audience, I guess. I don't, I don't know if I even want to call them my audience. It's just like people who've been following me for years from Tumblr, which I made when I was like fourteen, fifteen, maybe. So, like, those are the people who, no matter what I make, like completely different topics are still like watching and commenting and it's really nice to have them I think that's the main reason I'm still like just making whatever I want and not trying to follow the algorithm because I'm like eh, like three people are gonna care so <laughs> do you have um do you see that there are recurring fans that comment on like every video or every couple of videos yeah and I I do recognize people's names and um pictures and uh i would consider one of my like patreon subscribers a friend at this point her name is grace and she makes videos as well actually they're really really good um they're about different games i think usually she i feel like she's kind of making whatever she wants as well um but she again she's been following me on tumblr for i don't know how long and yeah (laughs) I feel like she's she's other than my like real life friends, she's probably the main supporter I have on my channel. Thanks, Grace. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. Uh, I'll have to look for a channel. Um, oh, I'll send you the link. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. good. I, uh, I'm interested, and I, I also appreciate the fact that another YouTuber is supporting a YouTuber. It's mm-hmm. there's a. Often in the arts, there's just too much competitiveness and everybody's threatened by another person's success. But the truth is, your success doesn't mean the failure of another and vice versa. Oh, yeah. Appreciate anybody who recognizes that. Um, See, eventually we find the moral of these episodes, the the sort of through line. (laughs) I don't think that's it, though. (laughs) Um. Do you have anywhere to be? 
Do you have a hard out? Uh, today? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I booked out my weekends. I refuse to do anything. Oh, good. Monday to Friday, and then I stop. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I had a podcast yesterday that was canceled, as I told you. I ended up cleaning the rest of the day. I like did my spring dusting. It's kind of nice to do that, though. Yeah. I love days where I, I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to clean. I, I found just... a ring light. I didn't even know I owned a ring light. Nice. Like it was buried in a corner. That's really good. Yeah. Those are cool. I bought a miniature one off Amazon a while ago, but it didn't last very long. I think that's what I have. I'll send you a picture of it. I don't know if I... I do still have it lying around. But it uh, doesn't work anymore. You can hear, like, it rattling. <laughs> it's tiny. Yeah, it was for phones, but, like, I couldn't afford a real one. <laughs> yeah, the one I really want... It's like two feet in diameter, and it's like 120 bucks. Mm. I can't bring myself to, to pay for that. Yeah, no. The sun gives me free lighting, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's how I made films for, for the first 15 years, is outside. <laughs> Everything <laughs> was designed around the sun. Because I just couldn't light for shit. And even though I have lights now, I can't light for shit. I'm terrible with it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it looks fine now. <laughs> well, I'm lit for this this other camera. Like, I'm looking at this now. I'm like, fuck, I look spooky, and I'm looming <laughs> over this person, and it's just like, but of course, I'm probably going to use less of my feed from here and more of that because that is, it's not properly exposed, but I, I tend to overexpose to get rid of oldness. And <laughs> so now we've devolved into uh, how bad of a lighter I am, of a of a cinematographer I am. That's okay. Yeah. You didn't get like a degree in lighting, right? So I went to film school. But do you learn? I feel like lighting is such a highly skilled thing. Like, do you need like a whole different thing to do that? be like a lighting engineer i mean you definitely have to have an eye for it and you also have to be up with up to date with the different lights and what they can do for, and you know my education is in like actual celluloid film lighting and i know how to expose a negative but i don't know how to make it look artistic because our film school never had enough resources for us to be able to practice like when I learn how to do something, I'm doing it over the course of many tries and a lot of time. And there was no real way to do that when you're burning 16 millimeter film. Like that stuff is like 300 bucks a roll. Plus you have to play probably a thousand dollars worth of processing costs. And there's no way they're going to let me fail even once. And I need to fail. Like I really do. With any endeavor. Um, that's an interesting topic that I have yet to really tackle on this podcast, the importance of being able to fail to learn. Mm-hmm. And with lighting, I just... Yeah. Maybe I'll work on that this year. Maybe... I think you're helping me figure out myself. 
I'm glad. Thank you so much. What do you do? You just set up a light and call it a day? Do you, you just all sun? Is it all sun all the time? Honestly, I I need like the instant motivation when I'm gonna film. So I can't plan like I'm gonna film at three o'clock when the sun is in a certain position today because three o'clock will come and I won't want to do it. But um, so I just kind of play it by ear every time I film and just find the best lighting in my room. But I do have this lamp behind my computer right now. So that <laughs> oh, nice. that came with my current room. So it's not a ring light, but it's brightly lit like one. It's just in a line. So um, that's been really helpful. I think I'm using that now, but it's whatever works on the day. <laughs> yeah, I used a desk lamp for many episodes. It's back there. It's, you know, the ones with the green hood that like tax people will have in movies. I had one of those and I would flip the hood up and just be bright yellow for two hours. <laughs> Whatever works. It took me the longest time to find out that there were lighting settings on my camera as well. Cause like as much as I've been doing this for a while, I've never studied how to use any of this stuff in school or anything. I've had a very different education. So like, I don't know how to do all this stuff. And I was, making videos and I was really overexposed and I was like why is my face white but then the rest of my body is normal um and and then I realized I just had the exposure up so high and I, I don't know how it got there but now I know I can change those settings and hopefully my videos look a bit better from now on but yeah I uh I just discovered the manual focus feature like three months ago on on the cheap camera here and then it took me forever to figure out where the ISO was. But, you know, it's just is what it is. I don't know what ISO means. I see it on my camera and I'm like, okay, that's a thing. <laughs> it's just, uh, it adjusts the sensitivity of the sensor. So if you're outside, you'll have a low sensitivity because the sun is super bright. Um, if you're inside you'll bring it up a little bit but not too much otherwise you'll get noise uh and you'll, you'll you know once you if you play with it a little bit you'll figure out the sweet spot for it um if you're lighting you'll be on a lower sensitivity if you're not lighting you'll be on a higher one yes yeah, me things now yeah the term comes from film where the chemical that they would put on the film to that would essentially be exposed and make your picture had a they had different levels of sensitivity. So if we were shooting um, a, high S, a higher ISO, we'd probably be shooting indoors. I could be misremembering it, but it all seems to have carried over to the digital sphere fairly evenly. It's all whatever looks good when I sit down and start filming. And that's, that's basically how I made movies for 20 years. <laughs> I, uh, it, it, but the sad part for me is I know better, but I just do it anyway. Like, I just do whatever looks best. I mean, Whereas, it's like, it, when I had, only one time I had a professional cinematographer, and he would take two hours to just, like, balance the blacks, balance the whites, figure out the perfect ISO. And then if you change one little light, or one setting on a light, it's another hour. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that. 
patience for that. I'm not that like I'm an artist, but like that is just ridiculous. Yeah, I guess it kind of sometimes it can take the fun a little bit out of the creative process if you're thinking too. I don't know what the word is too too closely about it being perfect. Well, my philosophy is perfection is not, it doesn't exist. It's just not real. The universe is chaotic. Yeah. It's supposed to be. Therefore, art should be chaotic. I like that too. <laughs> we have a lot of lessons in this one, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think, though, your approach definitely works because I, I, it comes through. Like when I look at your video page, it's so colorful and, and vibrant and different. Like if you just kind of like look at it as a mosaic. Mm-hmm. Your 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 color story comes together in, in a very important way. That's good. That's good because I've never planned <laughs> for it to look like anything. I feel like my channel's so disjointed, um, but I'm glad that there's some kind of overarching theme, whether it's intentional or not. Well, do you feel like you're you're an artist, regardless of the fact that you're not thinking that much about beyond um, just looking? decent on film i don't know i i've never used the word artist to describe myself i would say creator but i feel like i don't know i feel like i would reserve artist for someone who takes it more seriously (laughs) and yeah maybe does think about it a little bit more i'm just like if it looks decent i'm happy with it but i think an try harder than i do <laughs> well yeah i mean there are some that go out that where they turn their their living room into a studio so like i remember there was this one guy in la who he built his ro- living room so that when you walk in you go down a step and the idea was down on the lower level can instantly become a studio space and the cameras would be up on the upper space but when he wasn't shooting everything would be removed and the furniture would be brought in and then there'd be a living room. So like, and then he built in like these extravagant lighting rigs that would disappear into the wall whenever he wasn't shooting. I'm not saying you have to get to that point because I think that's batshit nuts, but it's also kind of cool. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, wait, hold on. I had a great subject for us to go out on. Oh, yeah. So I was going to convey my philosophy of art with you. I've never done it on the podcast, which is very surprising. Okay. I'm still kind of developing it. I would love your thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. Art as art is a psychological event that transpires organically. And therefore, if you have you as an example, have the Hmm, I'm waking I've woke up this morning. I really feel this need to do this video. I'm gonna do this video and put it out there. Whatever happens, happens. Thus the psychological event, thus you've created art, whether you see it as art or not. Mm-hmm. Art as a psychological event, art is a psychological event. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Um I think some people are just kind of driven to make art and 
I think everybody is to an extent, but of course, some people are more interested in it than others and more motivated to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I find it really hard to explain. Like, it's this thing that humans have been doing for like since forever. And we kind of know why we like it, but like, I don't know. It's rough from a scientific perspective. And I also am not an expert, so I'm sure there are people out there that could give you a really solid answer on that. But honestly, art mystifies me as much as the next person. <laughs> That's a fair answer. Are you back in London? Yeah. So you got your camera back? Yes. Good. I hope to see more content from you. I hope so too. I know Super. it's tough to balance schedules and all that, but I think it's worth it because you're really good at this and accessible. And like I said, um, YouTube would be empty and missing without you. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Well, my video is almost finished, so hopefully. Great. Yep. And uh, I, I, I really, I also please find a way to somehow get all that other content back <laughs> well it's private i still have all the videos yeah, yeah. well yeah don't delete them because then <laughs> you might lose like youtube punished me at one point for deleting them so i always tell people go make them private mm. so oh, i used wow. to have my my old channel was among the first to become a youtube partner and then i i started deleting all this horror content that i created and because uh, I, I didn't want to just be affiliated with that genre because I'm not, to be honest, I'm not a fan of horror. Yeah. And they basically demonetized my whole platform. No way. Yeah. So just keep them private so you keep your views. The yeah. Views matter. I don't think those views are counted on my channel anymore. Like if you go on my social blade, you can see one day when my views went down by like, 250,000 <laughs> interesting you might have to unlist them then I don't know if that if they have an unlisting option anymore but they do yeah yeah that might be the key um, but you can always bring them back somehow yeah if you want it really depends it really depends on the direction my life takes um mm -hmm. after I graduate the seriousness that I need to have <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll follow up. Yeah, that would be see good. See what happens. Yeah, this probably won't go live for a few months. I'm, I've currently ended the first season in May. It's all done, and um, I'm currently rebranding the podcast. I commissioned the theme, like an epic, an epic theme. That's cool. So I want to create like an intro and all that, and when I go back go come back on at some point i don't know when it will be um it'll feel more professional oh that's so exciting i can't wait yeah. to hear it yeah it's uh it's really dramatic yeah <laughs> it's like like um i don't know if you ever heard like the news themes out here where it's like big and dramatic and intense like here's what's happening on capitol <laughs> dun, 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 dun. it's kind of like that I think the guy got got really into it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, 
So because I because I sent him like my whole art philosophy thing, I'm like it's it's very dramatic for me, and he basically did and did like a big John Williams news like with horns and everything. He ran with it. Yeah, I love that. So you'll debut with that, which is going to be great because I'm going to promote the hell out of it. Oh, I love that. I'm going to come with the drama. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Uh, thank you. And um, yeah, if you can just any at any point, the headshot and the bio and any additional links and I'll do everything I can to drive more traffic to you. Thank you. I will do the same when this comes out. <laughs> Let me know, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be in touch by email. Uh, they'll just be like, hey, just to let you know, I scheduled it for this date. Um, here's my plan to promote it. And then uh, that'll pretty much be that. Um, yeah, it is important to share it too. I've had, it's weird, like, I've had authors on this month because it's National Poetry Month out here. So I'm only featuring writers right now. And the younger writers who have their first book out are promoting their episodes like crazy. And they're doing pretty well like better than I expected. Whereas these established writers who've been around the block aren't, and they <laughs> get like no views. Oh, or that's maybe really... they get like the bare minimum of my subscribers. It mm -hmm. depends on the author and their appeal and how open they are in the episode. And it's important to share. Like if you have a fan base, they're going to want to know you're on something else. Yeah. So it makes I... sense to me. I've had people message me um, on Tumblr because that's, it's kind of, I mean, people look at it as a dead social media, but that's where most of my followers are. To ask if I've been on podcasts. And at first I thought it was you because <laughs> your email came in a couple days after somebody asked me. And I was like, is this the same person? Like, why didn't they just use the same medium? But I don't think it was you. <laughs> I don't, I may have reached out to you over a couple. Because I wasn't sure what would work and what wouldn't. And so that what happens is I tend to find multiple, if I find multiple contact information for somebody, I'll just kind of simultaneously. So like there was this one guy who did this UFO movie. So I reached out to him by Instagram. And then I like the next day I didn't, I found an email. So I just did the email really quickly. And that's kind of how that works. It could have been me. I don't know. Depends I, if it was creepy. Uh, hopefully not. I don't think it was you. Um, but I mean, the point is that, yeah, people do want to know if you do things like with anyone else. Um, so I will de obviously let people know. Also, though, this is completely well, it's kind of related, but I, and I promise it's going somewhere. But I've had like the most random people coming up as suggested friends on Facebook. And one of them was a guy who made like a bunch of UFO content. And now I'm like, are you the reason Facebook has linked me with these people? <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know. Um, it could be that the algorithm i don't actually fuck with ufos all that much this guy just made a documentary that's starting to appear everywhere and i thought well i watched it and i thought it was pretty terrible and i wanted to grill him about it but here's the thing 
I think that the algorithm links goes to the YouTube with UFOs. Hmm. I think that's really it. It's, I mean, Facebook is scary though, and I was like, because obviously I saw this, and I have nothing in common with this person, like no friends in common, and I was like, are people finding my Facebook from my other online content? Because I keep those separate. Like my Facebook is personal, so I was like, it's oh crazy. no. It's but you crazy. said that, and I was like, wait. <laughs> So I don't know how Facebook has made that connection, but they've made weird connections <laughs> for me as well. Like, I re- I wrote um, a screen. Okay, so and we're talking about the material I'm going to talk about has not been published. It's all been privately sent either by email or online submission forms to contests. I wrote a screenplay about the fifth grade and this kid that I knew who was kind of a sociopath. I changed his name from his real name to his fictional name, to a fictional name. Mm-hmm. Send out the screenplay. Literally the next week he was pushed as a potential friend through Facebook. I hadn't talked to the guy since elementary school. It, It's honestly scary. Yeah. I don't know how they know stuff. But it's also the same thing where, like, I do think that the phone listens. Like, uh, mm-hmm. they say it doesn't, but... I just, I know that, like, there have been times where I've never, ever searched or inquired about a product, but if I've, but there'll be a moment where Jan and I will be talking about it, and literally within an hour, it's popping up as an ad. Mm-hmm. That happened to me, <coughs> happened to me multiple times, but the weirdest time, I was in the supermarket with my roommate, and she went to the, like, craft beer section, and she was like, oh, I'm looking for that one that we drank last year when it was summer and we were outside. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. But neither of us could remember the name. So we never found it. We went home and like an hour later, an ad for it came up on her phone. We didn't even say the name. We forgot what it was. They How don't. does this happen? <laughs> yeah. There's... I don't think that there's AI, but I think that... <clears throat> They've designed software and algorithms that are more powerful than they're they've either giving themselves credit for or that they're letting on. Mm-hmm. For sure. Not to be all conspiracy theory about it, but... <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying not to be. It's really hard not to be, but all evidence to what they're saying, I just feel like they're up to shenanigans, whether they oh. know it or not. <laughs> Definitely. Hmm. Oh, well, I love my smartphone. I've been waiting for something like that since I was a kid. Really? So I'm not getting rid of it. Did you Where ever I just like access all the information I want? You know how fucking annoying I was as a kid? Why is this like this? What does that do? <laughs> how did I get those buildings so big in Boston? Those buildings are huge. Not as big as the ones in New York. Really? Oh, my God. Like I was an annoying little shit. So to have a device where I can just like find the answer find out is it something that you imagined we would have like by this point no i'm not that good of a future thinker i wish i was actually i i hate admitting this but when they first started coming out i was against i'm like oh that's just a mechanism to make money look how expensive that iphone is fuck that shit i love my flip phone it's badass (laughs) and then like it's the normality. I didn't. I didn't see it. That's okay, though. Yeah, I think I was like twelve when the first smartphones were coming out. So 
I'm I'm like right on that millennial Gen Z cusp. And so yeah, it's weird for me. It's like this wasn't normal, but it also simultaneously is all I know. I don't know. Yeah. I miss having I was just talking about somebody that and I was talking to Jen about this recently is I I remember when I was a kid we had like the rotary dial, those old I, I bell telephones. It had two bells in it, and then it had, like, the rotary dial. And I said, I missed slamming it down at the end of the phone calls. <laughs> and they never broke. Not one ever broke from slamming it down, because they knew people were going to have piss, pissy conversations on them. So they built them to just hold up, and you can't do it. Even though they're getting stronger, you still can't slam your phone down. So, like, I mean, I, I can't just, like, you know, <laughs> I have to be careful with it, because they're super expensive. My mom has one of those phone cases with like the front on it, so she can do that. Like, all right, bye. Yeah, that's why I think I like the flip phone too. Is because at least the one I had, it it had some durability to it, and so you just go. Mm -hmm. We're a very angry species, I think. Mm. I never actually had a flip phone. I had some like brick phones, but I feel like I missed out. Brick phones were adorable too. Those were good. Mm-hmm. Um, you could drop those from a, a skyscraper and they'd be all right. Oh, yeah. And I did because I was like 10 when I got this. Yeah. That's what they were initially given to kids who like lived in cities and were commuting on like the subway or something. A lot of the kids would just have brick phones for emergencies. Mm-hmm. Now they got iPhones. Mm-hmm. This is like super weird. I had a brick phone when I was in the US as well because I wanted to still have access to my UK phone number just in case. Uh, I was there for like a year. So obviously it would have been expensive to keep using my UK phone anyway. So um, I got a US SIM card in my regular phone and then I got a brick phone for my UK number. And it didn't look like I was up to anything good. <laughs> It was a little bit shady. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I walk around Manhattan acting shady. So, like, <laughs> there was this one time, a couple of years back, I found an old flip phone. I have a couple. Some of them I keep as props. And I decided to just put on a black coat, walk around Manhattan, and act. And at one point, I was in front of some security guards at a building. So I was like pacing back and forth, pretending I was talking heatedly. It's a little bit of performance art. And I'm like, we can't do that. They'll come at us. And then I, t- I took the phone and I broke it in half, threw it in the nearest garbage and walked away. <laughs> and then I looked back at the block and the security guards were like looking into the trash. Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> That's my performance art. Because what will happen is they're going to tell that story forever mm-hmm. to their family, to their friends. There was a secret agent man and black guy who broke his phone after a heated conversation and walked away. That's really fun. See, eventually I'm going to come to a point in my life I get over like being embarrassed about things like that and then I'm going to do that. It takes a while. I wish now I hadn't deleted all that horror content. Eventually it comes full circle though and you know, you'll get back to it. Mhm. 
Um, I wish I hadn't been so nervous about perception. Yeah. I had a, I had a viral video where I was just sitting in a tub. This was like just after Google bought YouTube. I was with YouTube way before when they were a startup. And I'm sitting in the bathtub, taking a bath, and I said, Hey, Jan, come in here with the camera. I want to do a vlog. I wasn't calling it a vlog then. And so I started talking about this incident where they were re- they were building a new Yankee stadium and a Red Sox fan had buried a Red Sox jersey in the concrete as like a curse against the Yankees. And I'm like, I want to talk about all the money they're spending to dig it up. What are you guys so scared of? If you're so good, a curse shouldn't do anything. You know, it was like taunting the Yankees. And uh, the thing went viral because I was just in the tub, like providing this commentary about sports. And um, but because I was in the tub, I pulled it at some point, like within a year. And I wish I hadn't. I wish because as bad as I thought I looked, I was still like in my 20s. So I looked pretty good. And I just wish I still had that record. Oh. <laughs> well, but whatever. I didn't know that I was going to be 40 at some point. <laughs> like, you never know. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell myself. I'm like, I should be, you know, everybody says this, that they like are way more confident in their 30s and they wish they hadn't been so worried about how they look and how they're perceived in their 20s. So I'm like trying to absorb that advice. <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I remember uh, last year I reconnected with this kid I used to make movies with back in my hometown, and I was just like, because I was restoring an old film we made, and I was like 20, 20, 21 or something like that when we made it. He was still in high school. Um, the divide between ages, but with, in a small town, when you're a creator, you'll take who you can get as far as collaborators go, and so I had younger and older people, but nobody my age was creating, and so... But I was very not confident with how I looked. I was, but I was super lanky, um, um, and I was just like I kind of had a bit of a hick look about myself because you know it's from rural poverty. And I look back at that footage and I was telling him, "Man, we were all so beautiful, Aww. <laughs> so much more than than now." He thought that was so funny because he remembered me just not being confident at all about any of that. And in the moment, I guess you're not because you're comp- still comparing yourself. At least I was. I was comparing myself to all the be- all the traditionally beautiful people. And then I look back at I'm like, I mean, yeah, youth is much more much more attractive than 40. <laughs> this is what it is. And uh, that's 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 my lesson to to everybody listening. Don't delete your stuff. Hide it maybe while you're insecure about it. Then, then <laughs> just I, I, man, I wish I hadn't deleted any of that. You don't have it anywhere. It might be so. <clears throat> I used to archive to optical disc, like DVDs and stuff, like as data. But I have to. I have no way of pulling any of those archives right now. Right. So I got to figure that out, and I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> well, I maybe, a whole closet of that stuff. One day we can both unleash our old content onto the world. <laughs> that could be a good project, actually. Create like a safe space YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> like these are not. If you are an employer, 
or a hiring manager of any kind, you are not allowed to watch this content. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you need sponsors. I know you're doing it for fun, but your best stuff is the risky stuff. And you need sponsors who don't, who understand that and don't care about like how, how it would look. Mm. <clears throat> I find that's the case with a lot of the best stuff out there. They're, they're the riskier stuff. Like I was talking with Jan a little bit yesterday about how I'm not hireable at this point because of the stuff I've said on here. Really? <laughs> like I can't work in a cubicle space and expect to conform yeah. when I'm on here, like ripping on, I rip on some people and I'm cursing like a pirate and <laughs> there's no rules. Mm. Yeah. I think if I had been in a different industry, I'd be less worried about it, but you can't work in psychology and have this other persona that like talks about ghosts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you're, you're, you, you're on the border of like politics and like, there's just a certain expectation because like, I guess there's a certain responsibility that's expected and it's like being a doctor or like a pediatrician. You just, you can't go up on, on YouTube if you're in these, certain positions and just acting like whatever mm. yeah i mean i feel like maybe my worst case scenario would be like i mean i don't think that everybody in the world has seen my videos but could you imagine if i was treating somebody who maybe was paranoid or had delusions anything like that and then they find their therapist making videos about demons and stuff <laughs> who are just not compatible at all yeah so i'm like i'm not at that stage in my career like at all but potentially that's where it's going and so i just wanted to like uh i don't know Dude, i can tell you straight up like that could happen god um i know i knew i know this person who's a schizophrenic like a legit schizophrenic or like met it out her whole life yeah. and she paints the news people like behind the desk every like in the evening she'll watch the news and at the end of the week she'll paint like them behind their desk and her paintings are just like news people so like there's something about like seeing people on tv or on the internet that would definitely fuck somebody up if they knew that person in real life. I imagine what they would happen if there's people that she's painting she met. Like, I, w I wonder about that. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a strange thing. Yeah, it's, um, it's a precarious balance for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely would get comments from people. I Obviously, I don't know them. I don't know if they are mentally ill, but I would suspect it. Um, and that was another thing I was like, am I really comfortable kind of fueling this for some people, even if it's, you know, not the majority of my viewers. Yeah. That's an interesting, I hadn't thought of that mm. is, but you also can't control that. And you honestly yeah. can't be responsible for that because in the end you've admitted it's just for entertainment. I see it as entertainment. Yeah. You see That's... it as entertainment and I think the most, most people would and. I think that the key to to solving that problem isn't in you, isn't in you not doing it. Yeah. It's honestly better investment in mental health on behalf of the public, which is already something that we should be doing. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. I guess, like, you couldn't create a horror movie and then be like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, like, how many horror movies have contributed to, like, you know, I, I don't know any slasher films that have truly contributed to somebody being killed, right? Yeah, no. Or something I, like that. Like, somebody's going to get killed. That was going to happen anyway. Like, it wasn't because of, you know, they saw Machete and it was just like, oh, i got to do this. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. But maybe I'll get some letters. Maybe we'll both get some letters from this. <laughs> I disagree. I look forward to your emails. And uh, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. I, I feel like that's the scariest intersection, maybe, between online media and real life. I don't know. I always said in my videos I was more scared of people than I was ghosts like <laughs> that was kind yeah. of a for me I was like honestly a person can hurt me <laughs> yeah I don't think a ghost can <laughs> and disease can hurt you whereas ghosts honestly I don't believe in them but I like the idea I like creating theories around like the rules of being a ghost so mm -hmm. like I once read when I was a kid, I read somewhere that, well, if a ghost hurts a human being, they'll be wiped off the spiritual plane or whatever plane of existence they're on. It's just kind of an automatic knee-jerk reaction to the universe. I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. So cool. Like ghost laws. Yeah, ghost laws. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, it's all bullshit probably, but I like, <laughs> I like having laws at least when I'm thinking about them. It makes them tolerable. That's a really interesting way to look at it. Like... But also, like, I don't know if you ever saw Unsolved Mysteries. Like, there's this show called Unsolved Mysteries. It's on Amazon. At least here it's on Amazon. Um, and it's super spooky. They had ghost stories, UFO stories, murderer stories, missing people stories. The ones that weren't paranormal were the scariest. The ones mm. that were paranormal were the most intriguing. Yeah, because you're watching the ones that aren't paranormal and, like, part of you's thinking that could happen. It did yeah. happen, right? Like, yeah. you could be missing. Could you get haunted? It's less likely. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I would, wouldn't mind being haunted. Just so I know. Yeah. But then, if you don't believe in something i think that you could see all the evidence in the world sometimes and still be like nah <laughs> yeah well the problem is the lack of discourse between alive people and dead people it just yeah. doesn't it isn't there like why the why the clues why the veiled hints just have a discourse sit down yeah. with me i died here's what it's like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it comes down to the fact that you can't really prove or disprove any of it. Mm. And that's why people are probably never going to decide <laughs> whether it's real or not. I, I'm going to use that as a, uh, as, a, as a response to bad reviews. You can't prove or disprove that you actually dislike this video <laughs> or this episode. So therefore, you liked it. <laughs> me that you didn't enjoy it right <laughs> you can't <laughs> i think this is this this episode has been awesome 
it's been really it, fun. It's super useful to the world at large. But I have to prepare for the next one. And I don't oh, want yeah, to. Oh, yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> um, I hope you come on again. Uh, yeah, we, we'll catch up in like a few years, see if I'm a therapist or a ghost hunter. Yeah. It's going to be one of the two. <laughs> either, either way, we'll come back with new stories and mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll add to this. Yes. And act two. <laughs> All right, good luck with the rest of your studies and finding employment that loves fun. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. See you soon. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you have a moment, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if the app allows for it, please leave a rating and review. That way, the algorithm moves us up in recommendations. It's a great way for new listeners to find our show. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.